Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast, a show brought to you by PureFlix.com. PureFlix.com, the faith, family, and fun video streaming service. Get ready for uplifting news, scripture, movie reviews, and interviews with some of your favorite actors, authors, and pastors. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell. Welcome to the Pure Flix podcast. I'm excited to be here today. We've got a packed show for you. We have an interview with Erwin McManus. He's the author of the book, The Way of the Warrior, An Ancient Path to Inner Peace. He's also the lead pastor of Mosaic in LA. We also have an interview with Bible teacher Anne White. She's doing some incredible work and really working with women in prison and in vulnerable populations. Lots of interesting stuff there. But before we dive into all all that. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to read the Pure Flix Insider, and if you haven't, you can go over to insider.pureflix.com, but this is our daily blog. We have all sorts of content in this blog. We have Bible verse lists. We have advice. We have interviews with well-known people, pastors and actors and others. There's so much content on the Insider. It's free content. You can check it out. We also have a lot of guides that we publish throughout the month telling you what's coming on our platform, what movies in TV shows and documentaries you can check out. I want to point you to one particular article. It's titled Loving Others in an Era of Cultural Chaos, Three Biblical Tips. And you can read in there some of our tips that we have for you, just how to navigate culture. One of the things that we encourage you to do, pray for wisdom when it comes to our own thoughts and actions. Have a responsibility to control what it is that we have coming out of our mouths and really not abandoning love, finding that balance between truth and love. We've got a lot of Bible verses to guide you along the way there. You can check that out on insider.pureflix.com. But with no further ado, I want to dive into our interview with Erwin McManus. Again, the book is The Way of the Warrior, an Ancient Path to Inner Peace. What we talk about is really how you get to inner peace and and how we end up not having inner peace, being unhappy and ungrateful. And there's so much to unpack there, being broken human beings and going through the human experience. And so I'm going to welcome him to the show right now. We're here today to talk about a number of things. Uh, One of them is The Way of the Warrior, which is your most recent book. And it's the the subtitle is an ancient path to inner peace, and you know it caught my eye. I wanted to have you on the podcast for a while, and then seeing this title and just thinking about like the chaos that we're living in in culture right now, and I think it's chaos not just in culture but in individuals. And there's so much going on. You know, you wake up, you turn the TV on, you see the news, you see social media. You just I feel like we're inundated with information, and it's not always positive. And so I love that you wrote this book. Um, I'm going to throw you a hard question, I think, but one I know you'll be able to tackle, which is what what is the secret to finding peace today? Yeah, I I try not to um, um, be a reductionist where I try to make things too simplistic. (laughs) It's probably (laughs) a good thing nowadays. Yeah, because uh, I find life to be far more complicated than that. And I, I think one of the main things is to realize that the inner world that all of us have to deal with this, the stuff of worry and stress and even depression and anxiety, that these are actually um, normative, that um, these emotions, these um, expressions of, of our humanity do not mean we're broken. It doesn't mean that 
were, um, were unfixable. It just means that this is real life. And inner peace is not something you have once, then you have for the rest of your life. That inner peace is a battle you have to step into every single day of your life. So there is no real, and that's, and I love that response because, you know, people want that secret. Like, what's the one thing that's going to give me peace? And it's, it seems like the secret is that there really is no single secret. It's a, it's a process. Well, I mean, the challenge is that you're supposed to say the secret is Jesus, right? Right. And, uh, and if you don't say that, then people go, okay, wait a minute, you don't really believe in Jesus. And the problem is that there are millions of people who believe in Jesus who are struggling with depression, who are struggling with panic attacks and anxiety attacks and um, are overwhelmed with stress and, and worry. And they don't feel like they have anywhere to go because if they express what's really going inside of them, it sounds like they're discounting or denying their faith. Yeah, well, in the Bible, tell I mean, you look at Paul, who he, he we don't know exactly what his affliction was, but obviously, people throughout the Bible, you know, they had struggles still, and the Bible tells us we're going to have struggles. So this notion of like, oh, you just it's suddenly cured, and the things you're feeling are gone, that doesn't really line up with what we re- what we see happening in Scripture. No, and even if you think about two of our biggest characters, with Elijah and Jonah, uh, both of them struggle with suicidal thoughts, and which we never talk about. And how can someone like Elijah, who saw so many miracles, saw God come through in such powerful ways, prayed it didn't rain for three and a half years and prayed fire came down from heaven. And yet he runs away, he's hiding in the desert and he says, God, I just want to die. God, would you just kill me? Mm. And we just don't deal honestly with the fact that uh, the universe inside of us is uh, tumultuous. I mean, we, we go through uh, storms and crises and and uh, and you can have an incredibly good day and the next day find yourself drowning in the midst of all of your darkness. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I know in my own life when I find myself, you know, drifting away from from God and I find myself not getting up and having like I've the last 2 months I've made this commitment, I'm going to wake up and have quiet time every day no matter what. And I know that that's such a, a basic Christian thing, but the reality is life gets so crazy and you wake up and you start working first, you take care of your kids and you know you you but it may mean for me getting up a little bit earlier to 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 try to find that peace and I'm not always going to have it. I'm still going to struggle through, but you know I've been trying to to really put that at the center. And so with that question, I would say, you know, as we go on these journeys, and I know it's different for each person, what are your, what are sort of your tips for how we go about intentionally finding peace in our lives? Well, I wrote the book into eight codes and, and these are really practices you have to take on in your life to begin uh, to live in that peace or postures. And, and some of them are just such, such small little shifts in our life. Um, one of the interesting things about let's say gratitude, is that even in neuroscience now, they're discovering that gratitude uh, could be described as a lubricant of the brain. And when a person is ungrateful, they actually lose their ability to think inventively, creatively. Their brain rigidifies. And so when they see problems, they're paralyzed. When you're grateful, your brain is actually lubricated. It's like putting oil in your engine and you see opportunities, possibilities, you see solutions. And so a lot of times the reason we lose inner peace is because we have allowed ourselves to um, get to a place of ungratefulness. Mm. And so now we can't see the beauty and wonder around us. We can't see the opportunities and possibilities around us. And, and because of that, we actually we, uh, get depressed. And when you're grateful, you always see something beautiful. When you're grateful, you always see a way through. When you're grateful, you always see a reason to live and you actually find hope. 
See, that's powerful. And I think that's so true. I know for me, I struggle the most when I'm seeking something that I want and it's not happening, right? Professionally, especially. That's like the area for me where it's like, well, I really wanted this thing to go well, or I really wanted this article to get published here or whatever, you know? And it's like, that's, you know, that's when I have to bring myself back. And so part of, for me, it's like, I want to make sure whatever I'm doing is what, you know, God wants me to be doing. And if it's not, then I don't need to be doing it. But, but I, when I fall away from that and I'm not, I'm not, exhibiting gratitude that's when i struggle the most so I, and i've actually not really heard anybody explain it the way that you just did i think that's a powerful that's a really powerful way of looking at it just sl- letting gratitude slip away what that can do to us it's also interesting that when you uh, refer to when you have disappointment that a huge part of inner peace is about control when you're trying to control things that are outside of your control you lose your peace when you take control over the things that you have control over, you actually gain your peace. And for whatever reason, we're so dysfunctional that we try to control the things that are outside of our control. And then we relinquish control over things that are supposed to be inside of our control. So everything in our life is out of control. When you when you look at just culture and like the pace of the chaos in culture, and maybe you'll disagree with that assessment. My assessment is that culture just seems to be getting more chaotic and there's so much infighting. Not like we haven't had that throughout history in this country and in the world, obviously, but there seems to be a lot of information overload, a lot of chaos, a lot of questioning going on because of some of that chaos. You know, what what do you see going on that concerns you and what do you think are some of the solutions to to those issues? Well, if you look at it just from a pretty um, straightforward timeline, a 12-year-old kid in the United States has more data, more access to information, and deals with more complexity in terms of the understanding of the world than a president of the United States did 150 years ago. It's crazy. It's so true. That is crazy <laughs> you know? to think about. Yeah, and, and you know, even 60 years ago, um, the president didn't have as much information as the average citizen has. And now you're asking 10-year-olds to process terrorism and wars and school violence. You're, you're, having, you're asking eight, nine-year-olds to process um, hypersexuality and um, identity uh, confusion. And, uh, and they're, they're having to process information at such a high level that um, it really what you're seeing is you're, you're seeing a culture that's short-circuiting. Yeah. And yeah. – uh, and, uh, and the cultural ability to deal with stress is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and so this is a part of the, the generational dilemma is if you're older, you look at this emerging generation, you say, you're not dealing with anything. Why? How can you say you're stressed out? <laughs> right. You know, and, and so they're not taking it seriously. They feel like there's no way you can be stressed. You don't have any problems. But what's happened is our capacity to deal with stress, our, our capacity for resilience has gotten thinner and thinner and thinner. And so the level of trauma that they're experiencing is real. And, and so it's really, to me, is almost like terrifying is that a minimal level of stress can actually make a person suicidal now. When in the past, um, you know, that guy working in the coal mine, he wasn't happy. <laughs> and, uh, and, he was depressed in that coal mine, but he just got up every day and went to work. Mm. And his level of his ability to endure unhappiness was at such an optimal level that um, we don't even know how to measure that. And now we're trying so hard to be happy 
We have so many options, so many opportunities. And it seems with all of this freedom and opportunity, we're still unhappy. And that creates a deep sense of despair. Well, it seems too. I mean, it, like the the level of relativism, or at least perceived relativism, because everyone really has lines that they draw. They just everyone. A lot of people pretend that there are no lines, but then when you start talking about things, people, are, oh no, I have a line there. But as we tell people, oh, you know, do whatever it is that makes you happy. You know, follow your dreams. Those are all things that sound really nice, but you know, again, like I think about my own life. If I'm not aligning my life where it where it should be, and it may be that I don't want to do those things on the surface, but that I meant to do them. And maybe I find my joy in that once I realize that, you know, if I'm not following that and you have a culture not following that, you know, you look at the statistics, Generation Z right now, um, it's really sad. I mean, the, the suicide statistics, the disconnectedness, the emotions that are being exhibited in, in Barna has shown these in, in some of the research prelim, preliminarily. You, you mentioned short-circuiting. It really seems like that's what is happening. And it's overwhelming, not just for young people. I think I do think it extends into millennials and, and beyond, too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a cultural epidemic right now, which is why I wrote this book. I felt like um, we haven't really addressed seriously some of these issues and haven't extricated from the scriptures a process to move to health and wholeness. And and for me, it's very personal. Um, you know, I, I don't write about this stuff as if I've never gone through it. And, uh, you know, I'm an immigrant. I never knew my real father. Um, I was raised by my mom and stepdad, but, but first my grandparents had me. And I always felt a massive disconnection. I was in a psychiatric chair by the time I was 12 years old. And, and so I know, one, what it feels like to be profoundly broken. Mm. But I also know that you don't have to stay there, that you can actually move to wholeness. And, uh, and I didn't write the book just to identify the problem. I wrote the book to give people away to find wholeness and healing in their own life. And those who are listening now, we're talking about the way of the warrior. And I do love that that you're tackling the, the inner peace because we talk a lot about fixing culture, fixing culture, but you, know, you don't you don't really fix something on a broad sense from a 30,000-foot level unless you're fixing the parts of it, the individuals who comprise it, right? And that's what it's really about, you know, saving souls and connecting people to God and, you know, fixing people, giving them that inner peace so that the broader sense, you know, we can be healthier collectively. I mean, that's, that's my take. So I, I love that. I love how you're tackling this. And you just shared some of your own story. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, obviously, uh, you're the, the pastor at Mosaic in, in L.A. What was it that led you initially to Christ? What was your journey? Um, well, you know, when you look back on your journey, it's much more complicated than you thought. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, my, um, my family's kind of a mix of things because my, my grandparents were I irreligious, really, but my grandmother was Roman Catholic, but never went to mass. And my grandfather was an atheist who believed in reincarnation. And so he uh, taught me reincarnation as a little boy. And then uh, my mom remarried and he was pretty much just a pure um, secular guy, you know, irreligious. Um, and then my mom was a searcher. See, she brought a Buddha home and, and for seasons of my mind, we became Buddhist. And then she started reading Rabbi Kishner and said she'd become Jewish and and so in my mind, she was a, a, a very curious but spiritual person. And then I read all the mythology books in the, in the library by the time I was 12 years old and, and became really um, passionate to try to find uh, a reason to live. Hmm. And, uh, and a huge part of my search was that. And then I went to, when I, I didn't go to college right away, but when I went to college, I became a philosophy 
uh, student. And I wasn't studying philosophy because I wanted to be an intellectual or academic. I said philosophy because I was looking for the meaning of life. I was looking for a reason to live. And in the middle of that, my mom calls me in college and tells me she's become a Christian. I'd never heard that phrase in my life. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't have anything for it or anything against it, but she seemed happy, so I was happy for her. And when I went home for the summer, uh, I was really confused. She was going to church. I didn't even know churches existed. And, uh, and my sisters were going, and my brother was an atheist, started going, but he went because there was beautiful girls and great volleyball, so I could understand that. And, um, and little by little, they all became people of faith, and I was the last one. And, uh, and it was really challenging for me because I, I didn't understand um, the concept of grace. Because I, you know, I thought, man, like, if God accepts my brother, he has no standards. <laughs> and uh, so that was really my conclusion going, you know, uh, I don't get this thing because they were all telling me now I'm going to hell. And I'm like, hey, who showed you the list? Right. And, How do you, you know? know? <laughs> yeah. And it seems so arrogant that they were living lives that seemed even lesser than me. And they were, but they were going to heaven and I wasn't. And so I, I was really confused. And I think a lot of times we don't mean to confuse people, but we do. And it's really through that journey, I, uh, I came to a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And, and, then from, and then after that, what was really challenging was being so passionate about discovering the life that Jesus called me to, but not fitting into Christianity very well. Mm. And, That's a big um, challenge for a lot of people. It really is. Oh, man. Well, even it's like it just passes from generation to generation. You know what I mean? Like every day I have to fight for the discipline to not go on the Internet to see what people are saying about me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, I get so much hate and vitriol just DMs and on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, toward me, toward my family. And, you know, I, I even thought about just even recently thinking, wow, if I still really struggle with depression, these people don't even realize that they could be the tipping point that would cause someone to end their life. Well, and that's happening so and, often. I mean, we're seeing that with young oh, kids all the time. It's horrific. Oh, it's it's terrible. And 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 I have to tell you, uh, Christians are some of the worst in trolling and bullying, and uh, and trying to destroy people on the internet. And um, it really just grieves me because we have a culture right now that. Uh, people are develop people are are forming their identity based on what people are saying about them online. And uh, and you know, and I just made a resolution several years ago that I, I'm not gonna live a life of obligation and I'm gonna live a life of intention. I'm not gonna worry about what people say about me. I'm gonna live a life that I'm created and called to live. And that's a part of finding inner peace. Inner peace cannot come from the information around you. It has to come from a deeper inner uh, information from within. Mm. That is powerful. Now, what is the big thing that you are hoping, in light of everything we've discussed here as we, we round out to the end, when it comes to the way of the warrior, what do you want readers to walk away thinking, feeling, experiencing? Well, what I want a person to walk away with are tools to be able to bring to their life every single day that allows them to reclaim inner peace. Uh, the smallest chapter in the book is on ownership. And if I can just help people take ownership for their lives, and I have so many people tell me, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. This is what happened to me. I was a victim. And I have to keep telling people, it may not have been your fault, but it is your responsibility. And 
even if you're not to blame, you're the one who has to take ownership for your life. And I, I think taking ownership and uh, and so these codes are daily practices that you have to take on and realizing that that there is no way around pain and suffering and disappointment and uh, in life, but they do not have to define your life. Everyone gets all the material for life. You get the material for joy and sorrow. You get the material for success and failure. You get the material for being accepted and being rejected. You have to decide of all the material in your life, what will define you, who are you, and how do you go forward. That is powerful. We will make sure that we link out to the book so people can grab copies. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. Hey, this has been fun. We'll be right back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free one month trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And we're back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. And we're back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. Now, that interview with Erwin was, was eye-opening. I think it's always good to have that focus, you know, where you, where you say to yourself, am I living the best possible life that I could be? Am I living the way God wants me to be? Do I have the peace that God wants me to have no matter what I'm facing in my life, no matter what is going on? Am I able to live it out and be the person that he wants me to be? Now, we're going to transition to another interview, and you may have watched this interview. We actually aired it originally on Pure Talk, which is our talk show that airs on Facebook Live and Facebook Watch. You can go to facebook.com backslash PureFlix to watch episodes of Pure Talk, but it's with Anne White. She is a Bible teacher who is on a mission to help incarcerated women find hope through a relationship with Christ. Now, now Anne White is fascinating. She's written books. She's done so much with this population of imprisoned women, but one of the things she's done is to create an audio Bible for them. And so I don't want to spoil too much of it, but what she has to say about reaching out to imprisoned women and changing hearts and minds is worth listening to. So we're going to run our interview right now with Anne White. So let's let's dive right into your ministry because what you do is absolutely incredible. And so just take us through, describe your work for us, for me. You know, it's been a true blessing. And when we first birthed the ministry, we're in our fifth year now. And when we first birthed the ministry, I really asked the Lord, you know, God, I'm a Bible teacher. What is it? What direction are you taking us in? And it's been amazing the roads he's taken us down. I have a real heart for at-risk women, always have. And I have a heart for God's word and how it transformed my life and how it can transform these women's lives. You know, at-risk women can be in our church pews, you know, like I was for so many years, hiding behind that facade of everything's perfect as I'm walking in church on Sunday morning. Or they can be incarcerated behind prison cells, you know, in prison cells behind bars. And so as we've navigated our way through the ministry, and as I wrote the book, Courage for Life, and the Bible study companion that goes along with it, God took that into our local jail system here in the state of Georgia. One of my ministry partners took the book in and had an opportunity to begin teaching women there. And as she did, we began to see the women 
break down and really transform and become transparent about some of the scars that they had that they needed to get over, dealing with grace and forgiveness and so forth. So just developing their relationship with the Lord. And we saw a transformation there that was really surprising. Really working through those things. Working through steps. There's seven practical steps that God took me through in my walk with the Lord. And they're based on God's Word. They're based on psychology. So there's a there's an element of practicality in there as well as, but they're firmly based on the Word of God and our relationship with the Lord. So as we did that, we began looking at other ways we could get into other jail systems. And since that time, we developed an eight-week curriculum for inmates that walks them on a journey to develop their relationship with the Lord and deal and process some of the issues that they've been dealing with so that they can move past them and fully embrace Christ and fully embrace courage that is a God-given courage so that they can embrace the changes that God's calling them to make. You know, it's so easy to dismiss people and throw them away. And what I mean by that is ignore them almost. And, and you think about the prison population, it's a really overlooked population when it comes to, obviously there's always chaplains and people going in, but I think people outside of prison, mm-hmm. they're not thinking, we're not thinking even as believers about what people are going through, what got them there, mm-hmm. the struggles they've faced. And then really what we should care about, which is the transformation. Can people, and they can, we know this, be brought to a place where they transform. And then when they leave prison, they're able to do that, how they transition into life. It's just, it's phenomenal to me to talk to people who are in there doing this work. How has your ministry been in Courage for Life? Where can people, just as we're talking about this, find out more about Courage for Life? Well, you can go to courageforlife.org. And if you want to find out more about our jail and prison ministry, you go to our missions tab at the top of courageforlife.org. And we have a short little four-minute documentary that we did in one of our jail systems on the Courage for My Life curriculum that we teach. And yes, they did things to get there. They absolutely um, you know, are responsible. We're all responsible for the decisions that we make. But if you look at how blinded we are, and I think, you know, I know I've been there and I think many people can relate to this, by some things in our past, you know, how our childhood impacts our thinking patterns and so forth and kind of really blinds us to some decisions. Many of these inmates have such deep scars that it's really impacted their decision-making process. And many of them don't believe God loves them, don't believe that he could love them. Don't believe anybody loves them. Exactly. And so to get in there and help them break down those walls and realize that the Lord loves them, they're 95% of people that are incarcerated are coming out at some point in time. They're coming back into our communities, back into our grocery stores, back in our restaurants, working among us and living among us in our churches. Would we not want them to be transformed before they come back? I've talked to so many girls who say, no one will pick me up from prison. I have nothing. The day that I get out, I get out with absolutely nothing. My family won't even come and get me. The only one who will come and get me is either my pimp or my drug dealer. And you end up in this cycle. I mean, one of the things that was really eye-opening for me was just going down Missy Robertson from Duck Dynasty. She has a jewelry line and she employs women who are at-risk women who have been in prison. And we went down and we interviewed for a podcast series that Missy was hosting these women. And hearing what you just said, that what happened to them in their childhood being trafficked by their parents. I mean, these unimaginably horrific stories. And you walk away and you say, how would you walk away with a normal sense of yourself or society around you or life in general. And so it was really eye-opening for me. And then 
I wanted to hear from you though, and and just you're on the front lines. I mean, you're there. What? How has this transformed you? Hearing their stories, having a chance to create content and work with them and help them transform and change those mindsets that have been ingrained in them. You know, I think we have to embrace humility. I mean, God wants us to be humble at all times anyway. And I think what it has done is it's challenged me because I hear in their stories and I can relate so far, but you know, pain resonates. We all experience pain and our pain can be different. But if we're willing to go in and be transparent and humble and vulnerable about our scars and about our weaknesses, it helps them to open up and really what they want is love. They want to feel that they do have hope. You know, we all need hope, but that's what they're, they're so hungry for is hope and help them find a way. How do, they don't even know where to begin with the Lord and many of them don't read on a, on a great reading level. So that's one reason that Courage for Life has taken on the project of the Women's Audio Bible. So tell us about that, because I, this oh. is incredibly fascinating to me, the Women's Audio Bible. We're just getting ready to, to do our press release and release the fact that we've, we've got our app now on Android and Apple devices. You can go to Courage for Life Bible on the search engine of your app store, and you can download the New Testament portion. We're recording the Old Testament. But we knew we wanted to get audio into women at risk, women who may be in battered women's shelters, homeless shelters, um, any kind of at-risk facility, safe houses for sex-trafficked girls. We wanted to get them an audio Bible so that they could receive God's Word in a modern language translation. So we're using the New Living Translation. And that gets lives. around the reading issues that you mentioned. It, it does. Have the different reading levels and all that, being it able does. to actually listen. Yes. So what's exciting about this whole project is that God knew ahead of time that he wanted this in the prisons as well. And we weren't even aware that that would even be possible because we knew bringing a device in that they could listen to would be difficult. But in many of our prison systems today, what we're learned and have learned is that tablets are being issued to these inmates. And so in the state of Georgia and the state of Missouri, we're just in two states right now because this is all happening. It's just getting ready to be released. They're uploading our women's audio Bible. And the reason it's done in a woman's voice is because many of these girls have been victimized by men. And so hearing God's word in a soothing, comforting, non-dramatized woman's voice is just amazing for them. It's transformational. Well, and now you have... Yes. She is strong and courageous here yes. in this book here. Now tell me about this. I am so excited about this. Broad Street is a wonderful publishing company and they do wonderful devotionals. And they came to me and said, we want you to do a devotional for us. And I said, I'd love to. They gave me the title, She is Strong and Courageous. And they said, take your devotions. I had probably three or 400 I'd written uh, over the last years. And so just take 90 of them and give us a 90 day devotional. But as I, t as I studied and prayed over the title, I knew it didn't just need to be random devotionals I'd already written. It needed to be about strong and courageous women that had gone before us because, you know, God inspires us with his word, but he also calls us to live life together. He didn't create us to walk this journey alone. He created us to encourage one another, pray for one another, lift one another love up and God, sharp. Love God, love others, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're talking what Jesus said, <laughs> the most important commandment, exactly. right? I mean, that's what you're told. It's not just love God, it's Love others, because love you others love as God, yourself. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So I prayed about it and I chose 90 women, biblical wow. women, 
women from our culture today and women from history that have courageous faith stories. So biblical women, oh my gosh, there's some in there that many women would, wouldn't even remember are even in the Bible because it, through my research, and I know we all know that God's word is full of courage stories that inspire us to have courage in our walk with him. But women like Rahab, you know, women like Mary, women like um, Lydia, women like Martha, you, name all of them that had these walks whether in the New Testament or the Old Testament, these journeys with God. And then you take someone like Mary Kay Ash, starting her own business. Um, there's a great, a great account of her life in She is Strong and Courageous. Linda Fuller with Habitat for Humanity, how she and her husband Millard started Habitat for Humanity. And God just kind of changed the course of their life. Uh, Alveda King, um, Ruth Bell Graham. So what I did in this devotional is I came up with topics, topics that challenge us in our courageous walk with the Lord. Maybe it's having compassion. Maybe it's forgiveness. Um, one day it's taking on something new, a challenge that the Lord's put before you. And I take a scripture and we look at that scripture first and how God wants us to apply it to our lives. And then I bring in the account of a biblical woman or a woman in history or culture who walked that journey and exemplified that character trait. And then from that, then I challenged my reader. Every time I write something, God's speaking That's to me. That's the best kind of writing. And it's oh. so funny. Every interview <laughs> that I've done recently, everybody has said that no matter what it is, mm -hmm. that when God speaks through them, he's speaking to them too. And Absolutely. I, I think that's a really important thing for us to remember, that when we think we're doing something, that maybe there's a message there for us too. Always. And so going through all these stories, it must have been incredible though. 90 it, women's stories. It has strengthened me, you know, we don't wake up every morning feeling strong and courageous, do we? <laughs> Even though we have maybe a good walk with the Lord, we're yeah. in a good season of, of our faith. Just, uh, you know, but they are. Yeah, the whole Some day days we wake up that. and we go, okay, I just don't know if you want to get out of bed. But we can go to God's word and we can be inspired by others who've walked the journey before us. And we can start our day with courage. It's a choice. It's a daily choice. What, what for you, because I would imagine this is something anybody can read, but I would think this yes. is something that women also who are at risk can pick up and read as well. And, it is. And see the inspiration that they can garner from these stories. When you think about your journey and what led you into ministry and your past, yeah. you know, what was the moment for you? And I guess we'll go back to, you know, and this could be a loaded question, but the moment for you that, that you said, I really believe, like this is, I, I get it. This is something that is true the gospel and I'm going to live it out. What was that moment for you? Or was it a series of events? Oh no, it was a moment. It was a moment. I talk about it actually in my book, Courage for Life. And I think we've talked about that in a past interview, but I actually go through that account. It was in Israel where I got to the end of myself. I was in a, in a crisis in my life and you know, I always thought of myself as having a lot of courage. You know, I can, I can do this. I can take this on. But it was all in my strength, not in the Lord's strength. Then I realized, I can't do this, Lord. I, I don't know what to, I don't even know what step to take next. And I completely broke. It was our first day in Israel. My son and I had brought him on the trip. And um, things were falling apart at home. And I simply hit the floor. And I said, God, I can't do it. He was waiting. He probably waited for 40 years for me to get to that point. And but so so often we hang on, we continue to try 
and we're we can do this. It's the definition of insanity. It is. <laughs> it is. But we keep doing it. We're doing yeah. it until we finally get to the end of ourselves. So it was that moment, and I talk about it in here, where I simply broke, and God had me write a letter to our pastor who was on the trip with us, and he and his wife, and saying, "My life is falling apart." Everything was hidden. I was a Bible teacher at church, walking in, acting like everything was perfect, like we talked about before, but everything was truly falling apart. So I had to get to the end of myself where I came out and told someone. I'd kept it all in. You know, my, my immediate family knew, but other than that, I kept it all in. No one knew. And so these last five years in ministry have been a journey of coming out and being transparent and encouraging others to. And I think that's why the Lord has opened the doors into the prison. It's because I've come to that point in my life that I'm not ashamed of my story. We all have a story, you know? And we shouldn't be, but yes. it's so easy to be, but we shouldn't be. And so it's time now to share that story with transparency and say, but the real story is where I've come from there. You know, when you finally surrender and you let the Lord just take hold and take you over, it become, life becomes an adventure. It's just amazing. And there are 90 adventures yes. that people can check out in this And book. Broad Street has been so amazing. They have offered to allow the inmates, our state in the state of Georgia and Missouri, to have these uploaded, this devotional uploaded to the inmates' tablets. So we have just been blessed by ministry partners and by God opening doors. Um, our greatest desire is simply to love on these gals. If you purchase this book, every dime goes back in to help us help a woman in prison. That's amazing. Well, listen, I, I so appreciate you coming here and, and talking to us today and, and giving Thank us, you. I think, a message that a lot of us need to hear, that we need to be out there ministering to people that are forgotten. Yes. And yes. so I thank you for doing that. That's where Jesus would be. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Billy, for having me. It's been an honor and a privilege. That was an incredible interview. I always love having Ann White on the show. Be sure to check out her work online, see what she's doing with her organization. It is phenomenal. Also, if you're looking for daily content, daily inspiring content, I know this podcast comes out once a week, but we have daily content again over on our blog at insider.pureflix.com. You can also follow us over on Facebook and Twitter. At Facebook, it's facebook.com slash pureflix there is content all day long that is worth checking out really incredible stuff you can also go to pureflix.com to check out films we have thousands of films tv shows original series documentaries the sky is the limit one of those films is seven reasons it's from apologist ray comfort and you watch ray comfort in this movie challenge viewers to think deeper about abortion in life. It's a series of discussions, and what comes out of that is really, really telling. You can stream Seven Reasons over on pureflix.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Please tune in next time for another episode of the Pure Flix podcast. That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash pureflix and on Twitter at pureflix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for your free month of access to thousands of faith and family friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix podcast.